Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. My big fat mouth. My big fat mouth, not your spouse's big fat mouth, not your kid's big fat mouth, not your boss's big fat mouth. We're talking about my big fat mouth this morning. And so we are in part four of this series. If you have not seen the first three legs of this series, it is so crucial. This year, every component of it builds and takes us somewhere. Please go. How many of y'all have a mouth problem out there real quick? Just raise your hands, open it up. Yeah, 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 good. So we're all in the same boat together. James actually said that uh, we all have a mouth problem and that really no man can tame the tongue. That's what he said. And so what we're trying to do is surrender our tongue and not try to necessarily tame it. We want to give our tongue, our mouth to the Lord, because that is our only hope in this life. And so really in this series, what we talked about early on was that words are weighty. The first thing that the scriptures really try to get you to understand is that words are weighty. You are tempted many times in this life to think, oh, it's not a big deal. Hey, I was just kidding. Hey, they should get over it. Oh, you're being sensitive. But the Bible actually teaches us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you can't be dis- dismissive of the things that you say. As a matter of fact, the, Jesus said that we will someday give an account for every idle word that we speak. On week two, we talked about the idea of this though, that the question that we want to ask ourselves, because sometimes we just say, well, don't say that. But Jesus said the better question to ask yourself would be, where did that come from? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's something profound going on in my heart. So really, if I have a mouth problem, you know what I really have? I have a heart problem. And then last week, Nate already kind of talked about it, shared about his daughter. We have to be, everybody say, quick. Got to be quick to listen. I don't even know what that looks like. Hold on, quick. Makes no sense. Be quick to listen. But everybody say, slow. You got to be slow to speak. Today, though, I want to put something, uh, you know, all the time with our kids, we're trying to make sure they don't put anything in their mouth. Uh, I'm the opposite today. I'm trying to put something in your mouth today. Because sometimes what we do is, is we tell ourselves, well, don't say that. Don't say this. Okay, Todd, don't lie. Don't gossip. Don't, you know, don't, 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 don't. Here's what I want to give you today is I want to give you what I want you to say. Because I think that if you will have at the forefront of your mind the thing that you ought to say, that is the, what I actually prevent you from saying the thing that you ought not say. Or we could say it like this. Y'all remember what mama used to say? Mama used to say, if you can't say nothing nice, I said it wrong, I said it Ebonics or ghetto, I said nothing. If you can't say something nice, see our moms all got together and said the same thing to us, right? Here's what I want to share with you today though. We're going to recreate that because here's what I want you to say. If you can't say something nice, force yourself. So let's all say that together again, because we got the first one down right because of what mama had said. So today, if you can't say something nice, yeah, just force yourself. I didn't care. Just force yourself. Just make yourself say something incredible. Let's bow our heads and pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity, God, just to be in your presence, to hear your words. But God, today, let us put your words into our mouth so that it might become our words. And let us speak those words whenever given the chance. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a good gospel. Amen and amen. Yeah, we, we, we have this idea of like, don't say this, don't say this. Well, what do you say? I'm going to tell you what you ought to say. What I want you to do is to be able to speak life. And really what the Bible calls is speaking a blessing. Everybody say a blessing. So we have this all the time. Um, we say it if somebody sneezes, what do we say? 
God bless you. I don't know why we reserved it to just that. You know where that came from? During the bubonic plague, Pope Gregory was like, you'd sneeze and he'd be like, dang, you're going to die. God bless you, right? Because you had the bubonic plague. So they're all just nervous. Get away from me. And God bless you, right? Because people were just dying left and right. It was a terrible, awful, horrible situation. But Pope Gregory is the one that has coined the idea, God bless you. But this is the thing that I want you to do, is I want you to recognize that God is in the blessing business. God wants to bless your life, and in doing so, give you something so that you might bless others. And so here's a story found in the Old Testament that is so profound, because here's what I know about you. How many of you want to be blessed? Of course you do. You want your marriage blessed. You want your kids blessed. You want your finances blessed. It's this idea of God's hand being on you or God orchestrating or God giving you favor or or gracing you or whatever it is. But I want you to see something so powerful about what does it actually mean for God to bless me? Because there's this powerful story in the Old Testament where God actually shows you what it means to be a blessing or to speak a blessing. So if you have your Bible, Genesis chapter 32, read along on the screen. It says this. It's the story of Jacob. It says that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 kids. And they crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was now left alone. And this is where the story gets so incredibly weird. There's so much context. There's so much background story. I can't even begin to touch on it. All I can tell you is, is that Jacob is sending all of his stuff across and he is now left alone. And we'll focus on the main part of the story that I want to hit today, which is this. It gets weird because it says a man, which we later learn is an angel, that a man wrestled with him until daybreak. The, the, The thing that you'll see throughout Jacob's life is that Jacob has problems and Jacob has issues and God's wrestling with him. Isn't that true of life? Like, no, no, sometimes I have a mouth issue and God is wrestling with me over these last few weeks. Sometimes you just recognize maybe there's a, maybe there's a pride in you and God's wrestling in that out of you. And so this is a wrestling match going on between Jacob and this angel of the Lord. So it says that they wrestle till daybreak. Now, I don't know when this started. Have y'all ever wrestled? Like, how long has it been? We're grownups. Hopefully we don't do that too much anymore, but I got a 16 year old. I can't avoid it. This kid every night at bedtime wants to wrestle. I'm 40. It's exhausting. Literally, like, if you think about the last time you wrestle, it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. They wrestled till daybreak. I don't know when they started, but that is way too long to wrestle. So when the man, or this is the angel of the Lord, when the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he pulled out an angel trick. He just touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. That's an angel trick. I don't even have to, I don't have to be stronger than you. Boop. You're done. You know, so that's, that's unfair is what that is. That is against UFC regulation. So, so he touched the the hip of Jacob so that his Jake, it literally says the hip was out of his socket. Now, how many know that's a disadvantage in a wrestling match? So the man said, The angel of the Lord said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you what? Because we all want a blessing. 
We all are looking for God to touch our life. We all want God to pour into our life. We want God to advance our life. We want God to put something on us. We, he, we, we want God to help us to be better husbands and better moms and better wives and better students and better employees and just better at walking with God. We, we, we want to walk in the blessing and the favor of God. Can I get an amen? We all want that. And Jacob is expressing that. So he's like, look, um, you might have busted my hip, but I must have incredible grip strength. And I'm not letting you go unless you do what? So the question becomes this then. What does God do in response? So Jacob's demand in this wrestling match is, well, we'll be done when you give out a blessing. This is what he says. The man replies and says, what is your name? Because my name is Jacob. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. But actually, I'm going to change your name to Israel. Because you have wrestled with God and with man and have overcome. Now, here's where you really see what's going on. Is that God wants to bless you. You want to be blessed. What does that even mean? And Jacob shows you, or this angel of the Lord kind of situation shows you what it means to be blessed. Is that God is actually going to give you a new name. That's the key to your blessed life is that God wants to relabel your life. And as a matter of fact, you see this all throughout the scriptures is that God is in the relabeling and the renaming business. Whatever it is that you thought you were, God's gonna label you and make it something different. Whatever life has taught you, whatever struggle has taught you, whatever your past mistakes have taught you, you, how many know, cause you get labels in life. Like for instance, when we talk about this guy, this guy's named Jacob and God changes his name to Israel. Well, here's the deal. Jacob literally means shady. He was known as a shady, lying, deceiving, and manipulating person. And that's what his name meant. It comes back from the story of even when he was born. I mean, that's how far back it goes. This guy is whole. And guess what he was in life? Shady. Lies to everybody, lies to his dad, lies to his brother, tricks his brother, lies to other people. Later in life, he reaps it and people start lying to him. And that's when he wrestles with God. And God said, you know what? I want to wrestle this out of you. And I really want to bless your life. So I'm not going to call you Jacob anymore. I'm not going to call you by your inherited name. What other people think of you? I'm going to call you what I think of you. I'm going to call you Israel, which means the prince of God. As a matter of fact, let's keep going because there's just a bunch of these. Rahab, how many know there's a great woman in the Bible? Her name is Rahab the, yeah, that was her occupation and that was her title and that's what everybody called her. How many know when that's your nickname, you know, it's probably not the best. And that's every time the scripture mentions her, it's Rahab the, just, that's just what she went by. That, but, 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 but watch this. By the time you get to the book of Matthew, when you read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one, they drop it. And now she is not Rahab the harlot. Nope, she's just Rahab, the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Now, how many know that's a change in direction? Because when she committed her life to God, she started walking with the people of God and she, God relabeled her life. Here's another one. There's this, there's Abram. Abram literally meant father, but he didn't have no kids. And so his whole life, he was like, well, I'm not going to have any kids. My wife, me, something's not, the swimmers, the pool, something's wrong. I don't know what's going on. And God's like, no, you are going to have a son. And you're going to have so many sons and so many grandsons and so many granddaughters that I'm going to turn your, your whole future into a nation. 
So I want you to know that you're not just father, you're actually father of nations. Watch this. This is what uh, Paul says about Abraham. He goes, as it is written, I have made you a father of what? Many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom we believe. The God who does what? The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being those things that were not. Did Abraham have any kids? Nope. I'm going to speak it over you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to call you something that you're not. And I'm going to keep calling it until you become it. Here's another one here. Watch this. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon's got the greatest story in the world because he went from absolute loser. He was incredibly insecure. He was the least of his family, whose his family was the least in the town, and his town even stunk. That's how bad it was. So if you ever came from the wrong side of the tracks, just so you know, they're both messed up anyway, but it, it can't be worse than Gideon. Literally, kids were taking his lunch money every single day, and he was hiding from people, and God shows up and finds this loser of a kid and says, you are Gideon. And you are a mighty man of valor and of courage. Why? Because God calls those things that are not as though they were. And God will keep calling it until you become it. And God speaks over him. Not a new name, but actually like a new way to look at your life. Here's another one. We'll give you a couple more of these. Everybody say Simon. And then there's Peter. So God, Jesus changes his name. Simon literally means reed, like a reed shaken in the wind. And he goes, no, 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 you're Peter. You are a rock. Here's another one, G, uh, John the Fisherman. This is what he was known early on. And then when he wrote his own book of the Bible, he got to change his own name. Because when you write your own book, you can put in there whatever you want, apparently. And all throughout the scriptures, he would refer to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. That's some good relabeling right there. Right? Because my mama told me I was a whoopsie daisy. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus said, this is what John said, I'm no, I'm nobody's accident. I'm the one Jesus loves. I got here on purpose. I am not an accident here. Gee, I'm the one that Jesus loved. And this is the labels. How many know in life you get labeled? Sometimes your parents labeled you. My, my, my parents did this. I don't think they had any ill intent, but they just didn't know any better. But you know, I got a lot of labels put on me. I had teachers label me. Coaches label me. Parent, parents did it. Other, ugh, I, I don't want to, I can't say all that they told me. It's church. But let's just say they said some not so nice things about your pastor. It was not pastor's appreciation back then. And nobody said nice things. And you know what? People were labeling me. And you know what that's like. Because you know you've had that. And sometimes those labels stick. And you get them embedded into your mind. And you adopt them as your new identity. And you walk around in life. And you all you can think about is your worst failure. And your biggest mistakes. And all the things that you did wrong. And then you come into an environment like this. And Jesus calls you something different. And you're like, eh. Do you really know who I am? Do you really know all that I've done? Yes, he literally knows everything you've done and everything you thought, and he still loves you. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Jesus knows everything you've done and everything you've thought, and he still loves you. So this is what God is, is that God would like to properly label your life according to his plan. God wants to put a new label on you, totally new, brand new in Christ Jesus, Listen to what the Bible says here. The Bible has all these incredible words. This is, I didn't make this stuff up either. This is not your self-help guru pastor this morning. I'm just quoting from you what the Bible says. The Bible says that you're redeemed, that you're justified, that you're an overcomer, that you're more than a conqueror, that you're seated with Christ, that you're loved, that you're a new creation, that you're forgiven, that you're a child of God. These are all the things that the Bible actually says about you. These are the labels that the New Testament says. If, if you are in Christ, you're this stuff. 
And one of the biggest problems that you and I run into is, is that we actually live our life out of our feelings, Drake. And what it, instead, what you want to do is live your life out of your faith. Because see, here's what, here's what happens is you go out in life and then you fail at something and then you say, well, I'm a failure. And God's like, no, 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 no. That's not the way you see your life. No, no, you're, you're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're, you're, you're different. And I want you to not live out of your feelings. I want you to live out of your faith or I want you to not live out of what they labeled you. I want you to live out of what God has labeled you. It's a way better story. Because what if all of a sudden in any situation I ask myself, well, what would a child of God do in this situation? Because that's who I am. What would an overcomer do? What would, what would a redeemed person do? Or we could say this, what would a blessed person do? Because I'm blessed. And what I want you to do is recognize that God is in the relabeling business. God is in the blessing business. God's trying to draw you close so that he can rewrite the story of your life with a brand new label. And it's on you just to say, yes, that's it. All you have to do is say, I'm in, I'll believe it, I'll trust it, I'll walk that out, I'll let you speak that over me, and then I'll go live it out because God is dearly in love with you and invested in you and wanting your, you are the apple of his eye, you are the apex of all of his creation. And so God's trying to relabel your life to this new identity of being blessed. So does God bless people? Yes. What is he wanting to do? He's wanting to relabel your life because if you relabel your life and you live out of what he said for you and what he said about you, then you get to inherit all the things that we typically think about as blessings. Now, here's what you got to ask yourself. Okay, what do blessed people do then? Because if Todd, this is all about my mouth. Where are you going? Here's where I'm going with this. Blessed people, blessed people. See, sometimes the reason why you're unwilling to give blessing, verbal blessing, verbal encouragement to edify other people is because you don't actually believe it and feel it for yourself. Because when you know how great you are in the eyes of God, that stuff wells up and overflows out of you and you can't help but be an encourager because blessed people, they bless people. I want you to so be blessed by God and to sense God's blessing over your life that you can't help but just walk around and say, hey, you need some of that too and you need some of that too. By the way, you're gonna overcome. I got you. Hey, I'm praying for you. I got your back. God's gonna do a work in you. Hey, you know what? You're awesome at that. You're great at that. God is doing this in you and you can't help but just give it away. Why? It's just the overflow of your own blessing. And so the answer to what do I do with my mouth and what do I actually put in my mouth? If I, if I, if I don't wanna just focus on what not to say, here's what you focus on. If you're going to not say something nice, but just force it, what do I force myself to say? You force yourself to speak a blessing. If you're taking notes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bless. There's a few people I want you to bless. Number one is this. I want you to bless God. We call this worship. We call this praise, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact, have you ever noticed how like all of our songs, especially them fun, upbeat ones, we're all declaring how great God is? You ever wonder why we do that? We're blessing God. And not because God needs it. As if God were up in heaven and feeling a little bit down. Feeling a little insecure today. Would you guys sing about me? You imagine if you went to your wife, like, babe, I'm feeling kind of down. Would you sing a song about me? That'd be awesome if she did, though. Wives, think about it. Right? Husbands, go write a poem and then sing it to her. They'll love it. So anyway, they might think you're a little bit weird, but I bet you deep down, they're going to love it. But, but that's not like God's not having an insecure moment and needs you to like remind him of how great he is. How ridiculous. As a matter of fact, what you find in science, I love how science, the more we understand about the universe, the more it is supporting what we've always known intuitively. 
So the Bible says something like this. Watch what the Bible says. The Bible says we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So where are we going? We all of a sudden open up our mouth and we speak praise and blessing and and thanksgiving. And then what happens is we end up in the presence of God. We give thanks to him. What do we do? We bless and praise his name. Do you know this? This is what science has showed us. Do you know that praise and that worship is a posture of confidence? There's literally scientific studies that show you because they would take people and study their body language. Now, we know this to be true. We know that if you're in a mood, that your body language will reflect your mood. Can I get a yeah, yeah? That makes sense. But what they wanted to see was, what if we forced our body language to be this? Would it have the same result and actually generate and create the feelings that we want? And the answer was yes. So they literally found that one of the most common positions that it actually release hormones into our body and change our brain chemistry is this right here. They would actually, they would show you people that anytime they win or experience victory, they just do this. And there's pictures all over the internet, all over sports, all over any type of, if you win and have a sense of victory, you lift your hands in the air. Even blind kids do it. And they've never seen this. It's intuitive. What is the posture of worship? That what they do is, is they would study people and they would actually create fake interviews and they would have some people go into a room and just be normal and then go do the interview. And then they had other people go in the room and said, here's what we want you to do. We just want you to stand like this in absolute victory. We should stand here for like a minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, and then you're going to go to the interview. And they could see a quantifiable difference in the people that, and how they treated themselves, how they thought of themselves, how they experienced life, how they communicated with other people, all because they had come out of what? This posture. And so check this out. Every time God says, I want, every, I want people everywhere lifting up holy hands. Do you know what you're doing? You're putting yourself into a posture of victory and confidence. I'm telling you, there's just something powerful to it. And here's what you're doing, really. Not only are you putting your, your posture into a posture of confidence, you're reminding yourself that God is bigger than whatever it is that you're afraid of. God is bigger than your worries. God is bigger than your stress. God is bigger than that medical report. God's bigger than that. And you're declaring that over your life. And so that's why we bless God. Number two is this. We bless our kids. Yes, sometimes we criticize our kids. Sometimes we yell at our kids. And they probably deserve both of them. But what what the Bible actually teaches is that you have to create a blessing. If you don't have something nice to say, what do you do? Oh, we're going to get there soon enough. You force yourself. Yeah, you, you look for things. You're like, Todd, it's hard. I, look harder, you know. Struggle if you have to. Make up stuff if necessary. Make up stuff about their future that they haven't even realized yet because that's what God has done to us. And we bless our kids. I'll prove it to you. God does this to Jesus. So remember when Jesus is 30 years old, hadn't preached a sermon, hadn't healed a person, hadn't done anything special, no water into wine, no opening blind eyes, no movement, no crowd of thousands. He just gets baptized on day one. And this is what his dad says about him. He says that Jesus and everybody, which means sometimes it's important to bless your kids in front of other people. It's powerful that way. Have you ever noticed that? That if somebody, if your boss comes to you and praises you, that's one thing. If your boss comes to you and praises you in front of everybody else, it's multiplied. So it says that every, not just Jesus, but everybody heard this voice. This is my son in whom I love and I am well pleased. Hadn't accomplished anything yet. 
hadn't started a movement yet, hadn't healed anybody yet, hadn't preached a sermon yet. This is my son and I love him and I am well pleased. And I want you to know your kids are thirsty and starving and hungry for words of praise and words of blessing. And so I want you to speak things over them. Even if you say, Todd, it's too hard to find good things that they're doing. Think about their future and speak those things over them. Speak life, speak blessing. Here's the other thing too. Sometimes we have to be careful to like withhold the critical words. Hey, be careful that your words are not just absent. Let me say that again. Be careful that you don't constantly speak the critical words, but also be careful that your words are not just absent. Because here's what you need to know is every little girl and every little boy is looking for a parent to affirm them. So to say nothing at all, that can be damaging too. So what do I want you to do? I don't want you to just focus on, well, don't do this. Don't say this. Don't say that. Don't say that. I'm telling you this. Put a blessing in your mouth. Here's another one. Number three is this. Will we bless our spouse? Can I get an amen from all the married couples out there? And if you're not married and want to be married, remember God calls those things that are not as though they were and speaks them into existence. So think about that. Um, but yeah, we, ble- we bless our spouse. Again, I know because you get into the rut of life. You get into like the mundane of life. You're like, it's just Tuesday, Todd. Tuesday's a great day for a blessing. You're like, Todd, it's just Thursday. Todd, it's just the, Todd, you don't know. Todd, I've been married almost 20 years, I know. Speak a blessing. So you know what, one of the most profound things that you can potentially do to your spouse or your kids is this, is go write something. Go write something. Because sometimes speaking it to a spouse and you haven't spoken blessing in years, I'm telling you what, go write it down. And give it to them. Sometimes when you write something down for your kids and you give it to them, sometimes that becomes something that, well, here's what's going to happen. They're going to stick it, hopefully, in their drawer. Um, do y'all have a, a drawer that's a little crazy? Okay, I got a nightstand. And it has three drawers to it. Okay, drawer number one is just crazy. And I clean it out once a year. Drawer number two and drawer number three, they're specific. They're somewhat organized, but drawer number one. And so drawer number one is where I stick things that I want to keep. So if I ever get something like encouraging or cool or fun or whatever, I stick it in that drawer because I know I'm going to come back to that drawer and be like, oh, and I do this all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, this is so cool. Oh, I forgot about this. And I even remind, I re-bless myself. Like I took the blessing the first time, year later, I'll just re-bless it. I'll take it again. We bless our spouse. Watch, this is what Paul says. Paul says something interesting about husbands and wives. He says if, uh, in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, listen to this, cleansing her by the washing with water through the, everybody say word. Yeah, through the word. See, you gotta remember then they didn't take baths like we did. They didn't have showers. Thank God for showers. Aren't you glad you live in the 21st century where they have showers? And I'll tell you what, we don't got just showers because I traveled recently. I had one of them showers that stuck to the wall and just sprinkles down on you a little bit. I hated it. I'm so spoiled. I have one of those showers that the head removes and it's got like seven different settings and you can put it on like blaster mode and really clean some stuff. And so, but (laughs) praise the Lord that we live in a, we live in a, a world that we can take like really good with hot water. You got to remember back then they didn't have ways to heat water. If you had a hot spring, good luck for you. But sometimes all you have is cold springs. Whoo. So anyway, it's just all bad. But we, but so back then they didn't have, I don't know why I got distracted. They didn't have showers like we had showers. So they had like basins. Like you were lucky if you could shower once a week, you had basins where you would wash your hands and wash your feet. And so this is the idea of, I don't want you, it's not like, you know, it's not weird. It's this idea of what Paul says is, what Christ does is, is that Christ takes his bride and washes her with the word. 
But what was the analogy? I want you to love Christ or you love your wife like Christ loved the church. You know what I want to do for your wife? Wives, you know what I want to do for your, your spouse, your husband? I want you to wash them, cover them with the words. See, one of the greatest things that you can do is this, is take scripture and speak it. Take the words of God and make them your words and then speak them over your spouse, over your kids, and so on, and so on, and so on. Number four, y'all are going to hate this one. Number four is this. We bless our enemies. Some, we all said amen. Oh, we'll be quick on this one. I didn't say this. I wouldn't naturally tell you to do this, but it is true. Matthew 5 says, I say to you, love your enemies and bless those. Everybody say bless. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Listen, 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 if you're taking notes. The finish line to forgiveness is a blessing. The finish line to forgiveness is a blessing. If somebody has ever wounded you or hurt you and offended you, you go through this long process of forgiveness, whereby you begin by just asking for God's help. You eventually speak forgiveness. You you cancel their debt. You do this over and over and over and over until you kind of get that thing out of you. But the finish line to forgiveness is this, is from a, a genuine heart, you can bless them. You can take the very person that meant to do you harm and you can ask God to do something great in their life. The finish line to forgiveness is blessing. Number five is this. We bless ourselves. Hey, this this is real. Sometimes ain't nobody around. And sometimes you're not surrounded by a bunch of encouraging people. You know, like you haven't been to men's group in a while. You haven't been to women's group in a while. Like I I, I need, Pastor Todd has not prayed for me in a while. You need somebody to bless you and no one's around. You know what you do? You bless yourself. As a matter of fact, David did this. There's a story in, in the in the book of, uh, it's back in Samuel where David had an incredible defeat. He made a big military blunder and literally he took some dudes off to go do something dumb and forgot that the women and kids were back at camp and somebody came in and kidnapped them all. And how many you know that did not go over well with the troops? And so the troops rally up and were like, let's kill David now. And so David literally pulls back from the fray, has a moment with the Lord. The Bible says that he literally encourages himself in the Lord. I give you permission that if no one else is around you, bless God, just get alone and it'll feel weird, but do it anyway and make sure nobody's watching because then it will be weird, but get alone and bless your, if nobody's going to bless you, I give you permission. You can bless yourself. Everybody say, okay, okay, fine. I'll just bless myself. Todd said I could. Your wife walks in on you. You're having like a self-affirmation moment. What are you doing? Todd said I could. Number six is this last one, and we'll close here. Uh, just have a blessing for everything. Literally everything. I'll prove it to you. Psalms 34.1. I will bless the Lord at what? All times. His praise will what? Continually be in my mouth. It's not about what you don't say. Because if I so fill your mouth with blessing, you won't have room for anything else. Yesterday we had a party. Birthday party. And literally, I saw kids hiding candy, stuffing their mouths with candy, trying to stuff in as much candy as they could before their parents caught them. It was hilarious. We were laughing. It was wonderful. Literally hiding it. Don't tell mom. Don't tell dad. Stuffing it in their clothing. Stuffing it in their mouth. You know what you do? If you shove so much cake in your mouth, do you know that there's no room for vegetables? That's a fact. If you stuff it, full of cake and cookies. There's no room for vegetables. Kids, that's a trick. Think about that. Listen, if you will so shove blessing in your mouth, you won't have room 
to speak harsh, angry, foolish, hurtful. Just have a blessing for everything. Here's 10. Here's 10 things. Literally, the Jews took this literally. They were like, hey, we're going to run with this. We're going to make it absolutely literal. So what they started doing was they started writing blessings for everything. There's a blessing for when you have a bowel movement. That's how creative they got. I won't read that one for you, but let me give you my top 10 favorite blessings. Are you ready? These will be up on the screen. We'll go quick. Hey, when you listen, 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 when you first open your eyes in the morning, this is what you say. Blessed is he who gives sight to the blind. When you get out of bed, you say, blessed is he who sets the captives free. When you put your clothes on, you say, blessed is he who clothes the naked. When you eat a meal where bread is at the table, you hold up the bread and say, blessed is he who brings forth bread from the earth. When you hear thunder or feel an earthquake, you say, blessed is he whose strength and power fill the world. When you see a friend after a long separation, you say, blessed is he who revives the dead. When it rains outside, you say, blessed is he who is good and gives good things. When something terrible happens, you say, blessed is he who is the true judge. When you are saved from an accident or serious illness, you say, blessed is he who does good to the undeserving and has rendered every kindness to me. Last one. When you've reached some long-awaited joyous occasion, you say this, blessed is he who has given us life and preserved us and brought us to this season. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me real quick this morning. That last one says, when you have reached a long-awaited, joyous occasion, you will say, blessed is he who has given us life and preserved us and brought us to this season. You know what I was thinking about that blessing? I thought one day, when I cross from this life into the next, I want to say those words. Because one day, I'm going to pass from this life into the life to come. And I am hopefully going to just be face-to-face with my Savior. And I'm going to enter into the hope that is heaven. I'm going to enter into a whole new realm. And I don't even know that I'm sure what that's fully going to be like. But I know that when I see my Savior, it will be a long-awaited and joyous occasion. And I hope that on that day, when I, when I somehow bust into heaven's doors, I will say, blessed is he who has given me life who's preserved me and has brought me to this season. Hey, if you're out there today and maybe you feel like, man, I need a blessing. I need God's blessing over my life. Maybe you've been living with the labels of this world, the labels of your parents or your friends or your past mistakes or failures. I'm telling you today, God's in the relabeling business. And I would so love for God to put his label on you and you live out of that from this day forward. Because if you lived out of that, you would become everything that God had dreamed up for you. You would actually become what you were intended to be. You'd start walking in such blessing that it would overflow and you'd find it easy to bless those around you. If you're in here today and you say, Todd, I need God's blessing over my life. I've just got, I've got a struggle in my heart. I've been, I've been carrying the labels of life or I've not been living out my fullest, but I need God's blessing over my life. On the count of three, just slip your hand in the air. Let's just reach out and say, God, I need a blessing. Come on, one, two, three, and pop that hand up in there. God, I need a blessing. God, I need to be reminded maybe of who I am in you. I need, I need to be reminded of your strength within me. And so, God, I just pray blessing over these people. I speak blessing over these people. May they know, God, that they're redeemed. They're redeemed from their past. They're redeemed from their failures. God, they've been bought with a price. They are a child of God now. 
They are set free from the penalty of sin and death. God, they're free. They're conquerors now in you, in you. In you, they're the righteousness of God. God, in you, they are more than conquerors. They're not just conquerors. They're, they're more than that. And God, may us, may, may we so receive that and so believe that, that we affirm ourselves with that. And then we go out of this life and we figure out, let's give everybody this. Let's give everybody the hope and the life and the freedom and the joy that we've experienced. God, help us not just to receive a blessing, but God, help us to give a blessing. Because when we bless the Lord at all times, we relabel our life according to his perspective. And when we relabel those around us, I'm telling you, we just bring life and joy and hope. Somebody needs to hear this today. You are not who they say you are. Don't receive that. You are not what they said about you. Stop it. That's not who you are. I want you to believe that you are what God says you are. Because God is in the business of calling those things that are not. And he keeps saying them until you've realized it. I want you to realize what God has said about you. Lord Jesus, we pray that God, we would walk out of this place knowing who we are in you and living that out, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, we all shouted amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.